So I feel really glad that, that you've done that. I, I would be great if you would kind of pat yourself on the back like this and just go, hey, I, hey, I made it to here. I did a good job. This is a noble thing <laughs> to survive. It's a noble thing. And <clears throat> there is more. There is something else. There is something in addition to mere survival. And there's not much in modern culture in the world that prepares us or educates us, educates us to live in a non-survival environment, to, to actually be, for example. Because being is very different from surviving. Being present, actually, is very different from surviving. Being present with another being is so different from survival that it, it calls up another, it just tr almost triggers every single survival mechanism because our identity is in question. Like, which, who are you? What is the thing in you that is in connection with this other being? What is that other being? How, how what is happening between this other being? Like, we are, I just want to throw in a little side thing, which is, Human beings are naturally psychic. What that means is that we, we, are, we pretty much are ongoingly mind reading the people we are resonant with or somehow connected with. And do you, how many of you guys know that already? Okay, all right, so, so, but the thing is nothing in modern culture you know, we, we call that a superpower. We, we attribute it to aliens or, you know, people who are, you know, Wonder Woman or all these kind of things. But we are actually designed like that. And so when you, when you, when you start to admit or notice the um, magical, it's like magical or the, the resonant communication stuff, it's almost impossible to even talk about. It's like, you already know what, what somebody's going to say. You know, they know what you're going to say. You know what they're feeling. They know what you're feeling. You, you are having, you're probably having arguments at the psychic level and putting a smile on your face. So you have this conflict between this argument that's going on at the energetic level and the smile on your face that says, hey, everything is just wonderful. And the deception is part of your survival strategy. It's like, it's because, hey, we didn't talk about this. Yeah, but you already know. But yeah, we didn't talk about this. So it's this um, split between being what we really are, which is we're designed in, we're designed like butterflies. We're designed to be, you know, as beautiful and as amazing as these tiny little beautiful things that are so beautiful for no reason and and their brains are about you know this big and these little beautiful things they know how to fly they know how to eat you know somehow eat enough to to change from caterpillars into butterflies you know this tiny little brain of theirs is such a miraculous and we're designed like that we are miraculous we have this miraculousness and it's not included in our training in modern culture about what we are We've been trained to be, to be wrong, basically. We've been trained to, that we have to, that we're not naturally 
amazing. You know, you go to school and what do you learn? That you don't know anything. You know, when I first had kids, I know I wasn't around kids. This is back in California. And I went to a YMCA class, which was like a, a local organization, giving a class on how to be a dad, how to be a parent, you know, with a new baby. Because I'd never had, I never held a baby before in my life until I had my own baby. Think what a insane world that would be. You know, that the first baby you hold is your own baby. It's so wrong. I mean, where's the village? So anyway, that was my condition. And I went into this class and the, the first thing the guy says, he's some kind of doctor or something giving this class. He says, you got to understand babies are stupid. And, and, and this is so wrong. It is so wrong. I, I think he was trying to say that they don't know how to put a coat on before they go out into the snow. I think that's what he was trying to say. But the, the, the vast intelligence of what we are, even before we stick our head out of our mom's belly, is so incredible. And when we do these processes in uh, labs and stuff that we're doing, possibility labs, we discover how much a baby learns or knows or perceives and decides for the rest of their life from even within the belly of their mom. You can perceive so much about the mom, so much about, um, you got that, and so much about the dad and so much about the environment and how things are going and what's happening and what's possible. And the mission that they have, that we have, the mission that you have coming into the mom's belly and, and the necessity of it and yet the contrast between what you expect to find and what's, what's waiting for you out in the world. That's such a shocking thing. And we know that even before we're born. And so this is vast intelligence is what we are. And the only thing we've been really trained to do is have ordinary human in relationship. So I'm going to start with chapter two called Ordinary Relationship, Ordinary Love, page 29. I have to throw in one more thing. You know, we're having this conversation with people all over the world, from Costa Rica to Vancouver to Oregon to everywhere, Germany, all over, Poland. Like, so all of it, we're just connected in this network right now all around the world. And so as a space holder for this conversation right now, I'm holding space basically for the entire planet Earth. And if you haven't done that before, and you try to have a conversation like this with people around the world, if you're online like this, and you don't get it, that you're holding space for the entire planet Earth, and it's not a big problem to do that, but you do have to be clear about it, that you can hold space for that, call your bright principles into that big of a space, and then everybody can be together in this conversation because we have an agreement about what the purpose of the conversation is. So we can all be in the same space at the same time, and I can hold that space, but it's a planetary space. It's a huge space. And the bright principles that I call in, the ones that I've been using, that are my bright principles, are integrity, clarity, possibility, initiation, 
and high-level fun. Integrity, clarity, possibility, love, initiation, and high-level fun. These bright principles, this is what I call into the space and that we get to we get to benefit from together. But I just wanted to I just wanted to say that. So when you're having conversations with other people who are spread around, just make your cube big enough to hold where everybody is and call your bright principles into that space, not into the little room where you're sitting. Call it into the big space. Human relationship skills at the beginning of the 21st century may be regarded by future generations as still being in the dark ages. If you have the desire to create relationship differently, this book can help you tremendously. But you cannot jump to a new level when standing on thin air. You have to stand on something solid to leap from. The platform we will build to stand on here is that of clarity about your present relationship skills. How can you figure out ways to create extraordinary relationship without first knowing in exacting detail how you create relationship the way it shows up for you now? This chapter will explore the qualities and technologies for creating ordinary human relationship. So there's a, a, just a small map in there which just, it shows these three boxes. And so on the bottom, it just says ordinary human relationship, but it, it, it shows where we'll be going is extraordinary human relationship and archetypal human relationship. So, but you can't, this is really a foundation because if you don't know what you're doing to create how it's happening now, how are you gonna change that to create something different? So this chapter is, a mess. This chapter is basically the unconscious part. It's the shadow part. We begin with a thought map, an energetic diagram that representing ways that we might be thinking about possible kinds of relationship. With a map like this, you do not have many options. If you want to create relationship and all you know about is ordinary human relationship, then you have very little chance to create anything other than ordinary human relationship. And what I was saying before is this is what we've been given. This, was, this is what we've been shown and offered by all the media and our parents and society at large. It's like this is the whole world. This is what we've been said. And they told us, this is the world. This is how it is. And so to argue with that, if you're going to argue with that, such a massive formulation of the possibility of relationship, and you're going to argue with that, it's, it's easy to be afraid of being considered being crazy to be considered being an asshole, to be, be uh, considered to be um, uh, a child, whatever, some, you, you know, just being immature. You have, to, you have to grow up and face the facts. The facts are what you get to do is create ordinary human relationship. Like, and to argue with that, it doesn't really work. And that's why we started to invent an identity that you can take on called pirate spelled with a capital P. And the capital P means 
conscious pirate, possibility pirate, means a pirate who's going to the edge of the current thoughtware and not stopping at the edge. You're basically sailing off the edge into new territory. And so, and so, but what we'll be painting with this whole chapter is how massive and dominant and overwhelming the thoughtware for creating ordinary relationship is and how deeply in ourselves it has gone. It has gone to the bottom of our roots. It's gone to our, because it started when we were babies, you know, it started, it was the context we were born into. So it's just deep, you know, we're designed to have our entire identity destroyed when we're about 18 years old. We're, we're designed to have our world shattered and just stepped on by an elephant or just blown up or burned to a crisp with a laser of clarity. We're designed for that when we're 18 years old. Not many of us are 18 years old here or even close. So the, the work to do, we can still do it. We have plenty of evidence to show that we as human beings are flexible enough if we if we have our, have been on the evolutionary path that we've, which you have been, you have been on the evolutionary path. You are flexible enough to make these shifts, even though they are devastating. But I'm just saying, we're, you can remember back to being 18 years old. You were designed for this. You were longing for this. You were longing to be annihilated, and so, and to and to have your, you know, the ordinary world that you survived in utterly destroyed so that something else could emerge and then and then given support for that other thing to emerge well we're you know spread all over the world most of us i hope i hope you're getting into some possibility teams and to some um group you know some teamwork because you can get so we can we can so much support each other through these liquid state processes that we have to go through to upgrade our thoughtware i hope i hope you hear me about that you can't really do this stuff alone you really need people to understand when you say i'm in a liquid state they go mad sad glad or scared and say what's going on and they hold space for you to tell to so that you can talk about it and you're okay they don't drag you off to the psychiatrist or take you to the hospital for a brain scan you know they just go okay you're feeling 99 percent angry for no reason go ahead i'm holding space just cut loose you know, this is what we need to go through the, the process is what we're going to go through here. So I, I'm, please take me seriously when I say that it would be valuable to get yourself into a team, like a, a pirate team, an adventure pirate team, something like that. Please take me seriously about that. Section 2A, ordinary relationship <clears throat> Each of us is doing the best that we can. That's a big thing to say. I mean, just most of the time when we complain about other people, we do that because we think they're not doing as good as they can. They're not doing the best thing that they can. And it's, it's a shocking thing to think that somebody who's such a, an idiot or an asshole is doing the best they can. But in fact, probably they are. And so, if you take it on, this first little sentence, each of us is doing the best that we can, if you actually start there, if you start that as your assumption, then you can be with that person more where they are rather than expecting them to be somewhere else. 
you know, it's, it doesn't really work to expect a person to be other than they are, not even your mother. You know, just how many of you tried to change your mom? You know, so did, did it work is the question. So it's like the thing about it is try to be, you know, if you go, okay, that person is doing the best that they can. What they did didn't work. You know, what they're doing is, is it doesn't really work. Okay, can I be with that person where they are right now? Can I keep one foot, like my foot, in my world, your world, and put another foot over in their world and be with them where they are doing what they're doing, thinking that's the best thing they can possibly do right now, and try to listen to that? It's the vacuum form of rapid learning is to create a kind of vacuum for listening. So this is a fantastic place to start. It's a shocking thing. I mean, if you look at planet Earth and, and what's happening on the Earth in terms of everything and how, how horrible it is, basically, in short, and then go, human beings are doing the best that they can. Um, it, to me, it's, it's, uh, it's, God, makes me want to eat chocolate cake. It's, um, it's enough to, it's a wake-up call. I mean, I was talking to, a, for my birthday, I called up this psychic woman that I know in, in America. Um, and Sharon Reagan is her name. And I called her up. I've talked to her before. And she's, I said, it's my birthday. Talk to me. So she just started talking to me. And um, she said, the work that you're doing in possibility management is very rare. And the people who are working in possibility management have accomplished things or become something that is a rare thing on planet Earth. And I, I was going, this is bad news. I mean, mm, you know, I want to have friends. I mean, like, how, how are we going to relate? It's like, so... So when I look around and see that what what we've what humanity has created and humanity is doing the best that it can and that's what the best is, this is shocking news. And the conflict between what we're seeing and the evidence on the planet and who are who I am, who who we are, this is this is a shock. And it's not arrogance, superiority. It's about service. And the thing, the basic teaching. One of the most powerful ways you can cause change on the planet is to change yourself. The most powerful, because then you become a source of new radiations. You become a source of new thought work. You become a source of a new context. Of you, and you walk around sourcing new context. Well, it takes a while before you have the balls to go around sourcing new context when it wasn't so long ago that the society would burn you as a witch if you sourced new context. We still have it. I, I might say this over and over again during the book, but there were 700 years of inquisitions. We, and the first thing your mom teaches you is watch out for what the neighbors think, because if they think you're a witch, you burn. And so we, we have, we don't go around sourcing new context because we have cellular memory of being burned at the stake. How many people have, have memory of that in yourselves of being just fried over and over again when people just 
betray you. They just get pissed off. They freak out. Keep your hands up so everybody can see. Okay. So this is, this is, this is a weird thing to say. It's a weird thing to ask. Thank you. And at the same time, it's true. It really is in us. And so to go around sourcing new context is the, is the most powerful thing that you can do, I think, in terms of upgrading human thought we're on planet Earth right now. So this is what this whole space that we're in is about. That's what we're engaged in here. All right. Each of us, God, we got through one sentence. All right. Each of us is doing the best that we can. There is nothing wrong or bad or stupid about being involved in ordinary human relationship. If the best that we can do is eventually proven to be lacking in some way, that is not necessarily our fault. It is perhaps the fault of our education. God, finally we have somebody to blame. Okay. The quality of our relationships is related to the quality of our soft skills education, our so-called relationship intelligence. Relationship intelligence is built out of emotional intelligence, social intelligence, communication skills, listening skills, problem-solving skills, our imagination and being connected to it, our relationship to fear and other feelings, the level of our emotional healing, our ability to engage actionless presence with another person, and other skills of this nature. Think about this. Where did we learn how to create relationships? Where have you had classes in all of these things? Many of us has, have never participated in a human relationship class or training. We acquired most of our relationship intelligence by the time we were four or five years old before going to school by directly imitating our parents. Where did our parents acquire their relationship intelligence? From imitating their parents. Where did our parents' parents acquire their relationship intelligence? From their parents and so on. We are probably using a level of relationship intelligence that has been passed on from generation to generation for thousands of years. Newer, more effective relationship intelligence soft skills do exist, but we probably lack them because neither our parents nor our teachers could demonstrate them for us. This is actually great news. It means you have a real chance to improve your relationship intelligence. The new soft skills are learned when you take personal responsibility for going step-by-step step beyond the limits of standard education, just as you are doing right now by studying this book. Let's examine what we presently use for relationship intelligence. This chapter explores the first and most common kind of love called ordinary human love. Ordinary human relationship is built around ordinary human love. Because ordinary human love is so widespread and so widely accepted, it may at first be difficult to understand what I am saying here. Later in the book, after comparing ordinary human love with extraordinary human love or archetypal love, 
what is said here about ordinary human love may make better sense. In any field, our first efforts at unfolding the available knowledge are often sloppy and ineffective. Nonetheless, where we begin can be deeply respected simply because it is the place where we begin. Without the first step, there is no next step. In the field of love, where we begin is with ordinary human love. Ordinary human love originates within a consumer perspective, that of wanting to be loved. We focus on obtaining love and long to have our unmet childhood needs finally fulfilled. When someone appears to fulfill our needs and we say to them, I love you, what we actually mean is, I need you to keep fulfilling my needs. I want to own you, to have you, to possess you, and to control you so that you keep taking care of me. We conclude that this is love. Our intention in ordinary human relationship is to arrange so that the other person takes care of us. They stop automatically fulfilling our needs. We wonder if they still love us. After all, if they are not fulfilling our needs, why are we in relationship with them? To continue getting our needs met, we may complain. For example, you always leave the breakfast dishes in the sink for me to wash. Or we manipulate. For example, the kids feel really neglected when you won't play with them. Or we barter, like we try to make a bargain. For example, if you come with me to visit my mother, I will come to your business party. Or we threaten. If you come to dinner right now, Come to dinner right now, or I will feed it to the dog. Or we cajole, which is kind of to joke around. Come on, a big strong man like you should be able to tell our neighbor to stop letting his dog shit in our yard. Or we play victim. Like for example, did you ever wonder if I have enough clean underwear in my drawer to wear this week? Do you ever wonder that? and so on. Such interactions are so normal. We may already be wondering, like, what else is there besides this? Ordinary human love is based on seeing the evidence of love, such as flowers, chocolates, birthday cards, and having our expectations met. Ordinary human love is also based on having the experience of love some kind of warm, fuzzy feeling in our tummy. If we do not see the evidence that we expect to see, or if we do not feel that warm, fuzzy feeling we think of as being in love, then we conclude that the other person does not love us anymore. Anybody ever have that kind of thing going on? Okay. This makes, this makes ordinary human love extremely conditional and unstable. It goes up and down and around like a roller coaster ride. We can never trust that such love is truly there 
or that love will truly stay. This instability forms the erratic basis of ordinary human relationship. If we regard the other person as the source of love for us, then it is up to the other person to make us happy. If we are not happy, then it must be our partner's fault. If our unhappiness is our partner's fault, then we have proof that we are not with the right person. Day in and day out, we live with neurotic insecurity. Should we pause here for a few minutes? That was the end of this section. There's a, the next section is called infatuation, which means, what does that mean? Infatuation is kind of this falling in love feeling. But does anybody want to say anything right now? Naomi, go ahead. Turn your mic on and go for it. Hello, can you hear me? Yes. Great. <laughs> Hello. Um, I noticed that um, I sometimes, like, um, I'm in a relationship that I am planning to stay in. Uh, and I, some, I, not, I, I recognize myself in this wanting proof of love and wanting to feel fuzzy th things in my, t in my tummy and um, kind of feeling like, ah, I want you to be like really sweet to me so that I can feel that we're in love with each other. Um, and I sometimes wonder if I'm being ordinary relationship there or if it's, I can't distinguish it so well from what would be longing for, for deeper, extraordinary relationship. Did you get my question? It's a big question. Let me, let me say a couple of things and then you can say something else if you want, okay? Yeah. <laughs> so one of the main ideas of this book and this work is that you do not have to simply long for extraordinary or archetypal relationship. It isn't a matter of longing for it. It's a matter of learning how to cause it, learning how to cause that, learning how <clears throat> to open up spaces where that is the context and nothing else can occur there, where you, you have a kind of clarity about the space and the context of the space and what's possible to happen in that space, that you can create that. You can invite that and you can offer that and you can hold that and you can navigate that. And having to wait around and longing for that is a victim position. It's actually a childish kind of victimy position waiting around for somebody to make it better. And this is wizard school. This is sorceress school. This stuff that we're talking about is learning to become the source of spaces where extraordinary and archetypal love is the only thing that can happen there. This is very cool stuff. This is very cool. Our schooling, especially university, but even high school, could have been about this. And it wasn't. So what, I, what the book has said so far is that it's, it's, it's good news that you can see that, that new thought where is available because you really have a chance to learn something different, to create something different. You really do. And just, but I just wanted to say that you told us this picture of longing for this 
is the child sort of childish expectation that somebody else is going to do it. And I, I don't know if your partner is a man or a woman, but if your partner is a man, you're talking about somebody who was born and raised in a patriarchal empire. You're talking to a patriarch who has little or no idea about what you're longing for. So thinking that this guy is going to come around and figure it out at work or at the bar or, I don't know, on TV, on some video, I don't know. He's going to figure out how to source extraordinary and archetypal love for you and rescue you from the dungeon or the, what is it, the tower where you're locked away. You know, if you're, this is a fantasy world. And it's a common fantasy world, but it's definitely a fantasy world. So the solution to the fantasy world is, is taking it apart from the inside. I lived in fantasy worlds till I was 39 years old. Seriously, fantasy worlds about reality, about what I was, about, I thought I was a nice guy. I thought, you know, I thought the United States was a good country. I, there's a lot of things that I thought that was a complete fantasy world. And so it's not bad to have a fantasy world. It's, it's just not very effective in terms of being a wizard or a sorceress. So as a wizard or a sorceress of relationship, you, don't, you can't afford any fantasy worlds. You, can't, you don't want any fantasy world because it's a buffer between you and reality. Magic works when you are on reality. The closer your models match reality, then when you move, reality moves. But if there's a buffer between you and reality with a fantasy world, you move and nothing happens in reality. Nothing happens. So a lot of my life has been step-by-step step being disillusioned. The process of disillusionment brings you closer and closer to reality. And whether or not reality is pretty or ugly doesn't really matter because your wheels don't hit the road until you're at reality. Then when you make a move, reality moves. This is where magic happens. So this, that's the kind of thing we're talking about here. Um, I was going to say something else. I forget what it is right now. Do you have anything else you wanted to say right now? No, that was really helpful. Thank you. <laughs> How kind of you to say that. <laughs> I, hope, I hope you keep your attitude as we get deeper into this because it's going gonna, it's gonna to look really bad. This is, so does some, would somebody else like to say something where we are right now? Kalista, go ahead. Um, a while back on like the second session, um, you had a question for me before we started and you mentioned that because I'm taking this, uh, course relationship, I possibly am in a relationship and I started laughing because I didn't know how to answer you. And what came to mind was, no, I have not found that superhero. I have not found that shiny white knight that I have been longing for. But instead, 
I'm in the process now of having a new relationship with my husband of 25 years. We have lived the last six years in two houses, sometimes together, sometimes apart. And the change, the shift is, it was studying possibility management, I have been working on a relationship with myself and enjoying my partner in a new way. Thank you. Thank you for answering. Thank you for sharing that. Yes. Cool. Thank you. Somebody else, does anybody else have their hand up? Want to say something? Um, go ahead, Shannon. Can I, can I go? I, yeah, I, when you, uh, the, the paragraph about um, wanting to be loved and then I need you to keep filling my needs, it, it just feels so transactional. And I loved that, Callista, I loved what you shared because that's exactly it. It's about loving yourself first and then going into a relationship instead of putting expectations in somebody else's hands. And so how can you set yourself up for success that way? It's, it's knowing who you are, loving who you are. And, and um, I love this work and I, I'm just like, every, every sentence is just like, um, it's like, oh yeah. And so anyway, I just wanted to acknowledge you for what you've put on these pages and then acknowledge Calista for what she just shared. Thank you. I'm glad because you're gonna love this next sentence then which is there's a kind of probably now at, at where we are in the book we're going to diverge from this concept of loving yourself um and i it would be great to talk about that now for just a couple minutes so that to be clear that that's not at all what we're talking about um, for one thing um, we have so many selves that we are mostly not aware of until they take our identity over and take over our mouth and our feelings and our worldview and then speak for a while and then when we shift to a new identity we're not aware of the shift happening we're not aware of the shift happening but the people around us can but we most often keep one identity with one person but since the invention of these mobile phones you can be walking anywhere. You can be in a cafe, standing in line in the post office, and your phone rings, and you answer the phone, and all of a sudden, you put on the identity that you wear with that particular person, and everybody who's around you, 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 they just look at your face change, your voice change, your posture change, your attitudes change, your speech patterns changing, like everything changes in a half of a second. You become this completely different person talking to, your kid or your mom or your husband or you know some authority from the bureau at the government or whoever and then you click off the phone and you in a half a second you shift back to the person that you're hanging out with having no idea that you shifted Did anybody ever see anybody do that before anybody ever see that okay guess who else does that 
So, so we do that. Yeah, each of us does that. We all have multiple personality. We have so many selves that, um, first of all, we can't even begin to name which of the selves we're going to love. Okay, I love some of my selves and not my other selves. Well, I don't even know that self, so I don't know if I love it or hate it. So I don't, I don't even know. So we have this whole zoo, like we're this walking zoo of creatures that show up spontaneously here and there, especially if you've had something to drink or if you're tired or hungry or if you're afraid about how much money you have or if you don't know if people like the clothes that you're wearing. Like all these different creatures show up at different conditions. Most of them we're not aware of and they take us over radically. And so, so, so that's one thing. And then the other thing, why we're not promoting that you should love yourself before you can love other people, or you should love yourself first and you should feel satisfied that you're getting loved enough because you're loving yourself. It's kind of like masturbating. You know, it's kind of like I love my, I have sex with myself a lot, so I'm having a good sex life. You know, it's like, it's sort of like that. It's like um, once we get further into the extraordinary, and especially the archetypal domains, we will start discovering how the concept of self is a superstition. So we, we, this, this whole concept of self has slipped in to our speech pattern or our worldview, like that we're supposed to have some kind of self. You know, even Socrates, he says, know thyself. I mean, at least he could have said, know thyselves. You know, know, know yourselves, you know, not just know yourself, because the assumption in his statement is there is one self. Well, first I'm saying that there's not just one self, there's a whole zoo full of selves. And the next thing I'm saying is that self is a superstition. That actually it's a hollow thing. Actually, it's like, uh, I don't know, it's like the invisible man. You take the clothes off and there's nothing there. It's like, actually, what? What we're where we're going with this is to is discovering yourself as a space and a space through which conscious or unconscious principles can flow into the world, flow in through the, through your world. So if you're this space through which unconscious principles are coming through you, then you show up irresponsibly. Like irresponsibility is unconsciousness in action being irresponsibility is unconsciousness in action and so you can if you're not a, if you don't have the if you're not navigating your inner world if you can't do inner navigation you won't know what's going on what i just said will make zero sense most most you guys have basically all done a lot of inner work enough to know what i'm talking about that you can become conscious of the purpose that you're serving. It can be conscious purpose or unconscious purpose. And when an unconscious purpose is flowing through you, you're going to create irresponsible actions. And, or you can be the space through which conscious principles do their work in the world through your actions, what you're creating moment to moment and your interactions. You can have conscious purpose. <clears throat> I mean, when I was first discovering this, I was disappointed because 
I wanted my purpose to be a surprise in a way. I became a little, mm, I became whatever, a little disappointed that I would need to actually know my purpose for, because if I don't, if I don't, anyway, if I don't do the work of paying attention to what my purpose is, then I'm creating un unconscious purpose stuff, which, which after a while I, I got tired of it. I get tired of feeding my gremlin and doing unconscious purpose stuff. It just didn't work. It just didn't work out exciting. It was not exciting. It was exciting for my gremlin, but not for me. So, and gremlin is just another one of my parts. So this, anyway, I'm going back to the thing. It's like, we're not promoting love yourself. I mean, I, there's this kind of demonstration. If you, here's, here's myself, this and that, and I see it and I'm going to love this thing. But to love this thing, I have to kind of grab it. And so, okay, here we go. I'm going to love it. I'm going to really love this self. Here's the self. I'm going to really love it. And you go, where did it go? I'm going to try again. Okay, I'm really going to love myself this time. I've got to really love myself. And it's like this. And it happens so fast. Is the thing that you're loving with. It's like it's not there. So this is good news and bad news. The good news is, whoa, we have a lot more possibility than we thought. And the bad news is, shit, there's nothing. And facing nothing is not something that we're prepared for. We haven't been initiated into nothing. So this will be chapter seven. Okay, we'll get to nothingness in chapter seven or something like that. Right now, but yeah, Shannon? So I participated in the call with Aunt Chloe yesterday. And, um, and it was, it was so powerful and I felt like, and you called it, you called me out on, on like, uh, I don't know, just things during calls of, of like putting my hand here or anyway, I, I felt like what happened yesterday, it was like something was peeled off, ripped off, a tentacle was pulled out, a something just left me raw. And there wasn't energy going into having to be happy, having to have a smile, having to, uh, I don't know, there just wasn't energy going into the personality. It was just, there was just this raw, it was like I was this raw, open wound that was just being. And I spent my day like that yesterday, just... I don't know, not, not being the personality that I've created. And, and there was something, it was, it was so interesting to observe. And so when you, just now what you were saying with the selves, yes, yes, absolutely. And, um, and, then, and, and, and there's a conflict that happens with myself, one wanting to honor one thing, one wanting to honor another, and, and then just, not being able to, to, to find any sort of way to move forward. Um, so what you just said, uh, and, and that process yesterday was, was really, really powerful. Um, and it's interesting to sit with the rawness. Thank you. Iris. Yeah, I'm, I'm just, thinking a bit more about the, the roles and sort of the roles that we play. So 
So who is playing then all the roles? Um, yeah, and for example, is possibility manager then also a role, right? It's an identity. So the th you know who is playing the roles is is in my experience not an accurate question because the role itself is the who. The roles play themselves in the empty space that that we are. Okay. Yeah. So what what we are is like we we also we also have this being that has a, some qualities. The being has certain qualities, but it's not any of the roles. Being is not personality. You know, being where is personality. Being is like this space. So, so, so the roles come in and play themselves automatically. What the being gets to do is choose. It's on the on the map of possibility, which you're familiar with. There's this line, and it's that line is very thin, and it's there is no. You know, that's what you get to choose: is it conscious purpose or unconscious purpose? That's what you get. That's what you get is this choice, and it's. It's a horrible choice for, for our gremlin part or our child part or our parent part or our you know, demon part, these parts of us. It's horrible because there's nobody else to blame. As we're choosing moment to moment um, what role gets to show up, it turns out to be conscious theater instead of unconscious theater, which is usually grade C movies. You know, it's like bad movies. You know? Well, you didn't take out the garbage. Yeah, well, it stinks and I was tired. Yeah, well, now it has to stink for a whole other week. Like, you know, this kind of stuff is low, it's ordinary human relationship. So the choice that we get is feedback. You know, once you start becoming aware that you have this choice, that your being has the choice of which identity or which role shows up moment to moment, well then, then when it's when a when a creature shows up, you know the cockroach shows up. You go, oh god, that was just the cockroach. You know, it's like there's this Billy Joel song. It's called "The Stranger," and it's this song about every now and then. This, this it's this song about him being this rock star and waking up one morning in a hotel room with a woman that he didn't know. He wakes up in the morning next to this woman who he doesn't know, and, and she doesn't explain how she got there. She just leaves. And it's like, it's like, it's like, who was the thing that was running me when, when I got in bed with this woman for all night? You know, who was that? And he calls it Stranger. So it's a cool song because it's, it's a pretty straightforward look into, we all have these parts. And... I don't, I don't think it's possible to know them all. I mean, that doesn't, to me, that's not a happy ending. To know all your creatures is not the goal. I mean, it, it's a, to me, like that would destroy the mystery. And I don't think the mystery can be destroyed. I think it would just be more self-deception to think that you have a catalog of all of yourselves and that you know you're gonna choose consciously every single time which one is gonna show up and do what. This is fooling yourself because there are forces at work Oh, yeah, that was another thing I wanted to say to Naomi. Like, I'm just jumping back to the Naomi thing because it applies here, which is Naomi said, you said this thing like, I'm in a relationship that I'm, I'm going to decide to stay in. I'm, I'm going to decide, I'm deciding to stay in this relationship. Okay, 
Well, I don't know about you guys, but I've decided to stay in a number of different relationships that didn't continue. I don't know. And it's fucking, you know, who's, who's running my life? Like what, like the audacity of some force to step in and undo what I want. You know, what I've, I want to stay in, I was committed in a long-term monogamous relationship for the rest of my life two times already. You know, so it's like, all right. Right? Who's doing this? Like who who pulls the switch? Like who's pulling? You know the forces at work. And I've come to I've come to call this Earth Coincidence Control Office. It's not a name I made up. It came from John Lilly. He he invented this term Earth Coincidence Control Office or Echo for short. And it's like okay. Every single relationship I've been in has occurred by accident. Like I have, I'm looking over there or I'm lost or I don't, you know, I'm trying to flirt with this person, you know, and out of outer space somewhere comes this circumstance where I'm, in, I'm with somebody. So, and I go, how did this happen? How, did, how you know, and it, and it goes for as long as it goes. And so, I, we talked about this a little before in one of the other sessions, but it's like what I've been learning to do is just commit to the thing that shows up, counting on the intelligence of the Earth Coincidence Control Office, the wisdom and intelligence that it's going to put us together for the evolution of consciousness. It isn't, they're not putting us together to have babies or to live happily ever after or to please our parents, or to fulfill a societal role. It's not why we're being put together. We're being put together for the evolution of consciousness. Well, this pisses a lot of people off if you start saying stuff like that. They'll say, well, you're a hippie, or you're just being irresponsible. You're avoiding responsibility for choosing your, you know, your, your commitment. You're gonna choose a commitment or not. And I say, you're fooling yourself. Tell me about your life. What's happened to you? Have you chosen a commitment and stuck to it for 40 years? Yes, I have. How many drinks do you have a day? How many bottles of wine do you go through in a week? Are you using the hard stuff or just wine and beer? You know, are, are you smoking a lot of dope? Like, are you gambling a lot? How much, how much are you doing porno, you know, virtual sex on the computer? Computer sex. How, how many times do you visit the prostitutes? Who are you flirting with at work? You know, these are the questions that I would immediately start asking. Then they're all underworld questions. They're all looking in the parts of the, the person is not admitting. So, yes, it's possible to numb ourselves and manipulate ourselves to commit to a condition that can sort of, for a while, block the evolution of consciousness. You can fight echo in terms of aliveness but i'm sure you know people who fight the earth coincidence control office um to just have control just to just to say fuck you you know you're not gonna you're not gonna you know you're not gonna be in my life you know it's like swimming up river you know you can swim up river if you want it's just you don't get anywhere you just so you're in the river you can either float or swim downstream. The stuff we're doing now is swimming downstream. We're going, we're moving faster than the ordinary stream. We are moving faster than the ordinary speed of evolution in this particular space. We're 
evolving faster than the ordinary speed of evolution because we're because we can do it because it's our hobby because we like to because we're willing to go through liquid states to look in the unknown to take you know to upgrade our thought where this is the stuff that we're involved in together in this space and it's just a hobby from ourselves we've and there's no way to really justify it people people think we're weird Wait till we start talking about infatuation and stuff like that. Sarah, Sarah. Sarah you had your hand up? Where are you? Yeah, I'm here. Yes. Uh, so there's a, there's a uh, physiological way to um, explain, uh, and maybe you get to it in other places, but to explain what you're talking about, about the multiple cells. And um, that's if you assume that cells are conscious, which a lot of um, scientists think they are. And... Uh, then, then, um, and you think that what what our what our beings are made of, um, essentially we're a, 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 a multi generational. We start out as a it's two different two different cells that create a family, and our our being is a multi generational. We're we're uh, thirty seven trillion beings in a, a fa intergenerational family of thirty seven trillion beings that have organized themselves to support life on Earth, and. Um, what you're, I, I, a way I interpret what you're saying is that um, for me, my, my, for the most part, my unconscious survival instincts um, have been operating, um, have, have been operating that intergenerational family. And that intergenerational family has been, um, has been creatively adapting itself in a zillion different ways um, based on my unconscious survival instincts. But it's possible that um, that, gen that intergenerational family could actually, um, could 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 function in a different way, and could actually listen um, to could could actually um, uh, could actually listen to each other and come come together in a in a single intent, and that would form a very different way of operating in the world. So anyway, that's my piece. What I love about nano nations, she's gone. What I love about nano, she was just a from another planet, just dropped in and spoke to us we are we are lucky what i love about nanonations is that i'm glad you didn't hear me what i love about nanonations is that each nanonation 100 million nanonations around the world could have their own creation story each nanonation can have its own context and creation story at its root and it's entertaining it's pretty fabulous how creative we are with concocting cultures and ways of being together and ways of evolving our awareness. So in any case, uh, I would love it for each of you to either have your own nano nation or be in a different nano nation. And then we, one of the highest entertainments is to come visit each other and learn how, what is life in your nano nation. I would like to learn what life is in your nano nation, but then you'd have to leave the world where there's a Starbucks in every corner and create your own culture, which is radical responsibility for the culture that you're in, the game world that you're in. And that's what this is about, actually. So thank you. Thank you, Sarah. So I would read a little bit more, at least until the end of the section. Um, I'm just going to start reading again. So here we go. <clears throat> this is the part on infatuation. Our training about relationship is to look for Mr. or Mrs. Right. I 
could also say that the knight on the shining horse. If we convince ourselves that we have found such a person, we fall into a sensation known as infatuation. Infatuation is the illusion that the person we are with matches our fantasy image of someone who will perfectly fulfill our needs, even if we do not deserve it. Wouldn't that be nice? Infatuation temporarily enlarges our world because it sidesteps the natural territoriality of our defense strategy. It, it sidesteps the natural territoriality of our defense strategy. For a short time, we feel like we are in, or if we are lucky, back in, our father's protective arms or nursing at our mother's nurturing breasts. We might let our partner physically touch us in ways that are definitely taboo for us when our defenses snap back into their usual place. Or we might let our partner look more closely into our private matters, our personal diary, our kinkiness, our past experiences of being wounded, and then without knowing exactly why, we may close back up again. If people had that experience of being open for a while and then closing back up again, anybody have that? Okay. <clears throat> so that state of this kind of illusionary, you know, based on illusion openness, this is what I'm calling infatuation, this period of infatuation. And I know people, I'm sure you do probably too, who who basically seek that. So they stick around with a person until the infatuation is over and then they go find the next person to be infatuated with. And what they've reported to me is that the times get shorter and shorter. What? Very encouraging. Very encouraging. <laughs> yeah. It's called disillusionment. I read again. I the experience of infatuation lasts only as long as we keep a heavy fog bank over our natural defendedness, using the fancy that we have found an endless source of love for ourselves. As soon as we collect enough evidence about the other person's behavior and character to prove that they don't love us, the fog burns away. We come out of denial and our self-generated fantasy image of our partner dies badly. So does our infatuation. We may conclude that love has ended, and the shock of this disillusionment may unhinge our world, which was an illusioned world. We may feel betrayed again. Being betrayed gives us justification for on our usual vengeance path. Thus occupied, we do not see that chasing an illusion distracts us from making use of that lie within easy reach. Years may go by, decades of frustration, confusion, desperation, and loneliness. We may be tempted to give up on relationship altogether and instead stay busily distracted, but alone for the rest of our days. I'm sure you know people like that. 
or we may compromise our authenticity and play dead just to have a warm body in bed with us at night. You may know somebody like that also. Our culture provides us, I mean, modern culture provides us with plenty of exciting distractions and numbness-inducing substances so that we can avoid consciously encountering the core discrepancies between what we are actually doing with our lives and what we really want to be doing. By staying numb or distracted, we continue creating ordinary human relationship without a clue that something else is possible. Since infatuation could well be the best kind of intimacy we know, we may design our moves so as to snatch as many moments of infatuation as possible. But over time, we cannot continue to stay naive. Moments of ecstasy become jaded. Infatuation seems to fade away ever more quickly. We feel like we are driving along this relationship highway with a flat tire. Nobody has ever told us that there is a spare tire and a jack packed into the bottom of your trunk. This book can provide you with the tools and possibilities for using previously unknown resources. God, I would, I would snatch up this book immediately. What a cool thing. All right, we are at 1914. We have a few minutes. The next section is called, section 2B is called Ordinary Human Communication. It has even worse news than what we've been talking about. But would somebody like to say something? Amanda, did you want to say something? Are you just scratching mosquitoes? Just scratching mosquitoes. <laughs> <laughs> nice to hear your voice, though. <laughs> Thank you. Anybody, anybody with questions or comments? Hold on. Naomi has her hand up. I just want to see if there's somebody else. Susanna, did you have your hand up? No? Okay. Anybody else? Naomi, it's going to go to Naomi. You know, she asks these really nasty questions. Okay, Naomi, you're on. Hi. Um, yeah, I thought it was interesting that you... Naomi, Naomi, look, you already said hi. Yes. You said that about a half hour ago. Yes. Okay. That's an ordinary relationship. It was, really it was mechanical. Hmm. I'm not saying it's bad or wrong or stupid, but it was sleeping. You were sleeping when you said hi. I uh, could be. I'll think about it. Okay. But it's better than saying um. You know, there's this American mantra called um. It's like it puts people in this American cerebral state, which I don't encourage. It's really, in any case, <clears throat> but you said hi, but you said it twice. So if you're with somebody, if you're with a part, somebody and you say the same thing that you said the day before. It's like Pleasantville. There's a movie called Pleasantville. Have you seen that? You, sh you should definitely watch Pleasantville. I'm, mm -hmm. and, and one part of it is this guy comes home and every time he walks in the door, he takes his hat off, puts it on the hat rack that's by the door, and he turns it around and he goes, honey, I'm home. It's, every night he says this. And so when you say hi, it was the same thing. So in term, we haven't, this is ordinary relationship. That's why I'm saying it. 
if you say the same thing that you said the day before, if you keep, if you say the same thing again, there's a million ways to say, you know, I, I, there was a guy who were making a telephone appointment by email, which is like one of the most boring things you could possibly do. And he said, okay, we'll talk to on Wednesday at 18 your time. And my, I should have written back, I say, okay, or thanks, or something like that. So I wrote back bananas. That's what I wrote back. And then he wrote back, um, yes, we have no bananas. We have no bananas today. And then I wrote back, yes, we have no bananas. Bananas in Scranton, PA, which is Scranton, Pennsylvania, which is the place where this truck crashed with 30,000 pounds of bananas in it. It's a real story. And Harry Chapin wrote a song about it. And he told me he knew the song. And I told him I knew the song. And all of a sudden, we love each other. And I haven't been able to say I love you to this guy in like 15 or 20 years. But I said it because I said bananas instead of thank you. Okay. So that's what I'm saying. There's a lot of possibility that if you know about it, you can use it. If you don't go nonlinear, you're going to be stuck in ordinary. So I'm not saying it's good or bad or right or wrong. You think about it. Please ask the question, whatever you were going to say. Thank you for listening. Okay. <laughs> um, oh, you said the um one. Oh, God. Okay, this is getting bad now. All right. I'll, I'll skip it. I'll pretend like I didn't hear that. Okay. Yeah, I do, because I was thinking, because I was kind of in another mode now listening to you. Um, yeah, see, she did it again. Oh my God, this is a terrible virus. You got a you got a mimetic virus called M. Okay, I hope you get rid of it. We have a disease for it. It's called expandable training. <laughs> I get very nervous when I have to think because I don't trust that people want to stay with me if I don't talk. That's why. We're fortunately for us, we're in a different culture where actually silence is allowed. That makes me um, like want to cry. That's nice. This would be a space for that, Naomi. There's, there's going to be so many times that if you keep staying in this in this study group, you're, it's a space for crying, and it's totally appropriate to cry. It's really, it's one of the four feelings. Go ahead. This is a safe place to do that. Pretty soon, every time on Monday night, you're going to come and bring a box of tissues. And after a while, you'll start bringing a red towel and a stick, and you'll start bringing some other tools. Yeah. <laughs> yeah really i'm serious i feel sad because or i feel glad because say that naomi say that i feel glad because or i feel sad because let your let your heart speak come on we're gonna get I into this feel sad because i think i felt scared and i'm releasing that now um, and what was the fear about what was the fear about um, I also feel glad at the same time because the confrontation of being told what you're doing in front of other people is something that never happens, but that I also long for a lot because I'm very sick and tired of, of living without truth. <laughs> yeah. I, I recognize so in, huh? <laughs> I recognize in what you said of the... Yeah. Your eyes. I'm doing this because I can't clap for you. I can't hug you, really. I mean, nobody yeah. can hug you, but anybody 
If anybody wants to hug you, they can just go like this right now. Okay? And then keep going. Thank you for doing this. Keep going. Like when you were talking about the unconscious theater and the bad sea movie, I was recognizing so much that I'm, I've been living in the past few weeks in this like weird place with palm trees, like <laughs> where coronavirus was nice that we were staying in an outside place, but with friends of my partner and uh, just this conscious um, sensation of being in a, of having a, a lot of the psychic like the tensions happening and the smiles at the same time. And I find it so hard and I felt so, unfortunately, I felt so powerless to change things about it because it's, it asks so much courage of me to confront people that are maybe, I don't know how they're going, like if they're ready for it or, and I was all the time sensing and, and at some point initiating talks and everything, but I feel like it's uh, 24 hours, uh, well, waking hours job. Um, and I think I feel lonely in it. Yeah. So then, so then this happening is like feeding a thirst that I have. And at the same time also, um, I don't know what that is activating some, um, some shame or something maybe, or yeah, which is fine. <laughs> Um, yeah. We're just we're gonna be silent for just a few seconds, okay? To let in what you just said. I think it's so true for really all of us. Oh. Good job, really. Thank you for kind of breaking the ice. You know, we've been doing this like fourth week already, something, and this is where we're going. Like all of us, we get to do this if we, if we dare, if we have the courage. So, so thank you for kind of breaking the ice in this space that, that it's safe enough to do this here. And like when you took that breath, when you went like this, you put your head back, it's... We can all do that. That's what this space is for. It's to be nurtured and to be fed in something that we've been longing for for so long that has not been provided by the ordinary culture. It has not, it's just not provided. We are way at the edge of ordinary culture. We're actually over the edge. We're out here in a, a, a space where that food is available. Clarity is available. New possibilities are available about things we never thought new possibilities could be available for. That's where we are. And that's what this space is for. And that's where we'll just keep going. And thank you. We have a few more minutes. Does anybody else want to say anything?
Phyllis. Well, I feel sad because I realize that I end up staying alone because I can't find, I don't think I can find extraordinary relationship. And I guess I don't, I don't really understand how to do that. You know, I, I mean, I think I, if I don't see it, if I can't create it, then it's not there. So, um, yeah, so where do you go from there? Where I go from there might not be the same place you go from there. But if you're asking me where I go from there, is I check inside of myself for what I want, what I'm hungry for, what I'm, what I'm inspired by. Because, because I have that. I think you have that. I think people, have, I think we have, there is a place in us that is inspired. And although we may not have listened to it for a long time, it's, it's full, it's rich, it's shining actually. We have a shining, a small shining or bigger shining place inside of ourselves, a star that wants something. And then I tap into some resources about how to, what's my next move for creating it. I can't, I know it doesn't exist out there. I've, I've lived on the planet for 53 years. I'm looking around. I know that it doesn't exist out there. I, right now we're living on a street. I look out the window and people are walking by this street in Germany. I don't see any single one person walking down the street in extraordinary or archetypal relationship. I don't see it. I see ordinary relationship. And anytime, in any case, so, so that means I have, I'm going to create it. And I, I don't need to create it everywhere for everybody all at once. All I need to do is create it right in this moment, very small moment, right now, for, you know, with whoever I'm with. So a, a number of times, I don't know if you've tried this, but a number of times the moves that I make to try to enter an alive uh, what do you say, sparkling, and a, 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 an unpredictable relationship space, some of those moves, like half of them don't work. Even now, after all this time, I'm making moves that people goes right by or people react in a, in a um, sort of negative way, whether it's shut down or whatever, there's things. So, but the other half, and you don't need, it doesn't, you know, I can pretty quick in picking up on when it doesn't move, when it doesn't work. You try something, it doesn't work, shift, go, try the next thing. It doesn't work, shift, go, try the next thing. All of a sudden it works. Oh my God, there's some aliveness. So I don't, I don't walk down the street as a victim of not enough extraordinary or archetypal relationship because I source it. I source it. I'm a, I'm a walking generator. So you said, how do I do that? You said, I don't know how to do that. I don't, I disagree. I think you have a couple cards up your sleeve. I think you have a couple tricks up your sleeve of, of you know, I know you long enough. I know that you've, you have magical stuff. You have incredible stories to tell of adventures from your life that are still alive in you. Those things and adventures and spaces where you've been, 
that's your map. That's your treasure map. And you can go in those spaces again because you've got the map inside of you. You have it. So how do you do that when you're standing in line at the grocery store? Where you look at the person behind you and go, I'm doing an experiment right now. I would like you to step in front of me and I just take my place. I wanna, I wanna give you something. I don't know who you are. I just wanna get behind you. Would you be willing to do that with me? So, well, they go, okay. And they just trade places. And all of a sudden you're not in the same space where you were. It's no big deal, but it changes this space entirely because you left the competition paradigm of I'm almost, I have no time. I want to be first. I had this stupid fucking line. I have to get to the, through this. Everybody's too slow. This guy's trying to cut in, you know, why don't, why so that's the ordinary relationship space by, by moving somebody in front of you, by inviting them to do it, you're in a different space and it changes the whole space around. Their day is different. Your day is different. And there's a million different ways to do that all day long in your life. You know, put, Put the spoons in the fork section of your silverware drawer. You probably put the spoons in the spoon section, right? Put them in the fork section. Put, put them in the freezer of your refrigerator. So the spoons, you keep your spoons in the, in the freezer of your refrigerator in case you're eating ice cream, then you have a cold spoon so it doesn't melt the ice cream. So people come over and say, where are your spoons? You go there in the freezer. I like melted ice cream. <laughs> yeah, so do you get what I'm saying? Well, I sort of do, but it doesn't, okay, it doesn't which feel eye, like... Which eye, which, eye which eye would have resistance to admitting that you have the treasure map inside of you? It's not that I don't believe that. It's that I don't find the responses. I don't get the responses that, I, that I'm looking for. And maybe that's, that's the whole problem. Maybe I need to look someplace else. Or, or maybe my map is too rigid. I don't know. Look, it's 7.30. It's time for us to formally end the space. Yeah. I've knocked yeah. a hole. Wait, just wait a second. Don't, don't do anything. I knocked a hole in the side of the space. It's open. Thank you very much for coming here tonight. I, I feel great that we were here together. If you, if you want to go now, just take off. Thank you very much for being here. Maybe we'll see you again next week. Experiment. Do your experiments. And I'll stick around for another 15 or 20 minutes in the space. So if you want to stay here, then we'll be here. Mia, do you have your hand up for something? Okay, let me talk to Phyllis for a minute, and then I'll get to you, okay? And But you... You ask after, yeah? I didn't hear this you. Is, this is pertinent and it. Go ahead. And I'm having reaction. Okay, so thank you. I have, a heart is pounding out of my chest right now. I have a lot of fear and it has to do um, with an emotion that I've been carrying around since I went to the um, Intimacy Journeyer Lab in Seattle with you and um, Phyllis, I, I just, I'm so hurt. I, I, I had never. Did you use a word? No, it was a word. word it was the organ. It was organ. It was organ. Mia. Mia. It was, it was, I think, yeah. Please say something yes. hurt. Say angry, sad, scared, or glad. Hurt is a victim okay. word. Work in the space. Okay. I'm, 
I'm so hurt. I'm sad. Okay, wait, wait, wait. Okay, you're sad and you've been sad since last year or something. Okay, you've been sad for a long time. Is it a feeling or an emotion? It's an emotion. Good. So then you, yeah. then you go, I have this emotional sadness because, and just say it like that. It's totally I have this emotional sadness because I have an incomplete communication with Phyllis that I would like to complete now with your support. Is it a, is it it, a clicky? What? Is it a clicky? Yeah. Go ahead. We're listening. So I showed up to your house, Phyllis, a stranger in your land, and I came with two young children early to your possibility management team meeting, and I got to your driveway. I was the first one there, and I parked my car. I got that great space right on the side of the road. I'd never been to your state. I was a stranger in a strange land, and I thought, oh, great. I'm going to go visit Phyllis. We just spent all this time together at lab, and I'm so excited to be with her, and I took two steps onto your property, and you told me to stop, and then you told me to leave. You, you, do you remember that? Yes. I was coming with a full heart. I was coming full of possibility. I couldn't wait to connect with you. And you kicked me off of your property. You told me to fucking leave. And I had two children that I wanted to bring and sh sh introduce them to you. They were in pain, yes, it, they were suffering. Do you remember what I said? when you arrived at a half an hour early yeah what did i say you told me to stop no before that what did i say i don't remember i told you i was having dinner with a friend and that i had arranged that time to speak with just her and i asked you if you could come back at 7 30 or seven o'clock i think you came a whole hour early 45 minutes early and I had already made plans for that time. And then you started arguing with me about it. And then I did to ask you to leave. Yes, because I already made a commitment. So I did set a boundary. Because I, I, felt like, I felt like I had to get a little stronger around my boundary because you weren't honoring it. So we're at a very cool place right now in this conversation. I just want to indicate you did fantastic because you can you still hear me your picture is frozen can you still hear me yeah mia can yes. you still hear me okay yes yes, yeah. yes. what a fantastic place right now because mia you did fantastic because you were able to shift and say instead of i'm hurt you say i'm sad or angry i'm sad and angry and and then you shifted and go yes and this is an emotion because it's from a long time ago and you could say, I have this emotional sadness, and then it showed up, there's emotional anger. And then and you, you were able to own that. And that's, that's fantastic. Emotions yeah. are for That was beautiful. Everybody gets to see this. It was beautiful. And Phyllis, you did fantastic right now. You kept your center. You held the space. You were in relationship. You could hear her whole thing. You didn't get hooked. You didn't have a nothing buttons were not pushed. You didn't have this reaction. And after you listened to the whole thing and you could kind of then you got to this detail of, well, do you remember what I what I said? And then 
you know, she goes, no, I, actually, I didn't remember what you said. And then you just happened to remember what you said. And then it was like, okay, well, that, that makes total sense. And you could explain why it was necessary to say, please leave, because you're not honoring my boundary. And that's, this is, this is a cool thing. So now we're at this place, we're back to Mia. And Mia, it's like, um, so, so there's, you have had this emotion before. There's been other times in your life when you have been rejected, when you have, when you have been sent away, when you have been, conf uh, how did you, it was like attacked or punished or sent away. Can you, you know what I'm talking about? Mm -hmm. the, the yes. of coming with such a full heart, wanting to meet something and all of a sudden <clears throat> this crash hit you. When, when else? Yes. Did, tell us another time when you had this. Oh my God. I, I'm numb around it. I, I, I don't have a memory, but I have a feeling. I know. Okay, but this is a gateway for you. That emotion is such a treasure. It's a gateway for you, for a healing process, for you to go back to this another, another time, another place where that, but it's incomplete for you. It's an incomplete thing that happened for you, and it didn't start with Phyllis. Because if it started with Phyllis, you would have handled it already. It was, it was beyond, it was way before Phyllis. It could have been when you were three, four, five, seven years old, something like that. It could have been a long time ago. In reality, it could have been a past life, but usually it's this life. And so you, you're not remembering it right now, but you have, if you could just um, as a gateway, and when you hold it as a question in you, you walk through the world as a question, what was it, what is this, what's this trigger about? What is this? You know, when I get blocked, when I, like when I come with a full heart and somebody rejects me, this happened to me before. And, and then you take one of, your, one of your possibility team people, Jennifer or somebody, whoever's around, and just say, could you run me through this emotional process, please? And they will take you through it and it will be a healing process and it'll be wonderful. And you'll be a new person on the other side because you'll get all this energy back. Another bit. I know. I remember the story. I don't think it's important to tell it, but I remember it now. I was three. Okay, thank you. Mia, could you look? Just look. Your, we're trying to hug you. Thank you. Try to let it in. Try to let it in. Keep looking down. Let it in. Let it in a little bit deeper. If you can put your hand on it, let it come all the way in, okay? <laughs> let it in from him, too. Oh, dog is <laughs> so perfect. This is so perfect. Jennifer, you there? Yeah, Jennifer, you can you guys do this now? Can you guys go off together and do it? Can you just connect back and do it now? Yeah. Jennifer, can you see the other feeling? What is it? 
uh, fear. Yes. That's go all the way there, okay? And just hold it close to her. Let her complete. Thank you. I'm sorry. You're doing fantastic. Doing fantastic. So, Jennifer, thank you. You know, she's doing the hyperventilating, and that's not going to help. She really needs the fear to get totally big because it was a life or death thing. Life or death thing. Probably a situation. Somebody, somebody, if you could do that, that would be super. Thank you, Mia. Yeah, yeah I love Thank you. you. It was great. It was super. That was really and Mia, <laughs> Mia, thank you for expressing that. Thank you for letting me know that you had those feelings. Cool. I wanted to exclude you. I didn't. I wanted to exclude you. So I've been waiting for the support to do this. So thank you. And I, I love you. And I, I don't want to exclude you. So thank you. Cool. You guys kick off now, Jennifer and me. Can you just do this now? Okay. Well, thanks a lot. Bye, me. Thank you so much. Thank you. Thank you. Hello? Hi. Hi, I don't see anybody anymore, but. Okay, well, we're still here. Oh, there, okay, now I see you. Okay. I, I just feel glad because this was really kind of a demonstration of, of extraordinary. I'm, and I'm so glad that we could see this and be part of it just now that the clarity creates new possibility. And the clarity that there's four feelings, mad, sad, glad, and scared. The clarity that there's a big difference between feelings and emotions. The clarity that you can keep your center and, and still be connected. You don't have to defend, like Phyllis was like open and completely present, but completely not enmeshed. She didn't get hooked. Phyllis did not get hooked. This takes years of work and and she's done, Phyllis has done this. So we, we're all at this place. You, you can be in relationship in an unfair situation. It's called, we have a website called Fair, I'm not sure how much is on there, but there's a, Phyllis had her sword out, her sword of clarity out, and there was an unfair, which was an emotion. It comes with blame, with assumptions, with conclusions and stories. And, and you just stand there and you just hold your sword out. And you can stay completely in relationship with your sword of clarity out. Go, this is an unfair situation and I can hold space for this. And I'm not hooked. That's an unfair conversation. And then you have the conversation, but you keep the clarity. You don't put your sword away. And so the, the result of this, like Mia already started saying it. She says, I've been withholding from you. I've been cutting you off, Mia said. And by her going through this process, poof, back together. And this we can do, we all, this is what happens when you have the clarity and can do extraordinary and archetypal relationship stuff. Very cool. Earth, coincidence control off is at work. 
Earth Coincidence Control Office. Aye, aye, sir. <laughs> so I'm just taking this space and kind of big, big green grounding cord on it, taking the extra energy out and just sort of bringing us back because we're going to land back on Earth and the door is going to open out of the spaceship. You can walk out of the spaceship back into your life. Does anybody need anything before you go back into your life right now? Um, I, I have a request. Would now be a moment to do that? You bet. Cool. Um, I realize that there is not enough silence or space in the call for me to actually integrate often what you're saying and see if I have questions. Like often the process is you'll talk, 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 go. Does anyone have any questions? And I'm like, oh, maybe I do. And then you're talking even in that and until someone else is talking and I'm, whenever you're talking or someone else is, I really want to be present with that. Um, so I would really appreciate it if next week you had some space after you stopped speaking for me to be present with myself and allow what you're saying to move in me and see if there is any question I have um, or anything I want to share. That's my request. Thank you for making your request. I just need you to know that I decline. <laughs> Great. <laughs> Would you tell me why, please? Yes. Uh, I care about you, and I actually I want you to get a lot of stuff from this. And you've been here a bunch of times, so uh, and I appreciate your attention in the times that you're here. I really want you. I want all of us to get this. So the the what I want is I decline because. I want you to learn how to do this yourself, how to make space for yourself to integrate so that you're not counting on me or anybody else in your life to make that space for you to integrate. I want you to figure out how to do that. I don't know what it's like inside of you. I believe it's different. I think, I think every one of us has a different structure in there. And I, I want to be empowered to um, miss something. You know, if you're, if you're going to hang in here and try to get everything and then don't have space for yourself to integrate, it doesn't really work for you. That's what you're kind of saying. So then you have to pay the price of missing something to integrate something else. And I, I, want, I want that for you. I, you know, you're kind of a... You're a space wizard in a way. Every, I keep looking at different places around the world. Like I was just at uh, um, John Paul Patton's website. I see you in the picture, <laughs> you know, about his eco village out there. What the fuck are you doing there when the last time I saw you, you were in some movie um, about something, another movie, and Jake's there in the movie as one of the stars, you know, he's, he's with the gen, I don't know what you're doing. Anyway, you're this amazing guy. And you're this mechanic with spaces. You can really add something to spaces. I've seen you give talks. It's incredible at the Gen Conference and stuff. You just improvise a talk and it's like, that's the best talk in the whole Gen Conference. So it was the most real and most, I, I just was touched by it. So 
So I know that you have these skills. So just mechanic the space for yourself to integrate. You have the skill. Now just model up a tool, get yourself a tool, model up a tool for yourself to make space to integrate whatever you need to integrate. You get what I'm saying? Yes. Cool. Will you do that? Yes. Cool. Thank you. Thank you. Who had the hand up? Doris, you got something? Uh, can't hear you. When you were talking about the ordinary relationship, I went through the, the last the last months through different states and it was like coming up through the earth or I don't know, all the shit came up and I tried to heal my layers, which I realized that I'm wanting of that guy and my expectations and all that things. Do you think you can heal thick layers like that in a short time? And uh, I'm trying. I'm trying the best I can do. <laughs> As you said. <laughs> As you said. <laughs> Let me tell you a story. I'm gonna tell you a story. It's okay. a, it will give you an idea that maybe you were not thinking of before. And it's a way okay. to do it's a way to do what you're saying. So, and Chloe has a trainer path team. She has a, a team of people in the trainer path and some of them are starting to make a pirate agreement. And what they do is they make an agreement with three or four other trainer type people and that they can call them in a WhatsApp group anytime or dare the instant that they have an emotional reaction and they make this agreement for weeks for like two weeks four weeks something like that anytime day or night they're having an emotional reaction and they it's anger sadness fear joy mixed emotions together and they call up the number they just call up the number and that person takes them through the process the thing is you cannot really take yourself through processes this is like self-surgery. It's like, you know, there's this joke about, you know, the guy has his appendix. Do you know what appendix are? Appendix. Does anybody know in, Joy in Deutsch the appendix? Ah, yeah. So there's this joke where, you, you know, you sh so they give you a razor blade. You know what a razor blade is? This sharp knife and a bottle of scotch whiskey. And your job is to take out your own appendix. Okay. It's possible, but it's not very likely that you're going to do it. You know, you need somebody else to do the surgery for you. So I don't think you have a team. I don't think you have. So you could put together. These have to be skilled, emotional process people. You know, there's a lot of them around. And you just organize a team of through like at least three, sometimes four, who are on call for two weeks or four weeks, whatever, you make the deal. And then every time it comes up, you call them and you go through the process. 
It's an initiatory healing. It's a heart. You're going to be crying. You will not figure it out in your head. It won't be emotions. They're going to be in your face. They will be assholes. You will hate them sometimes. And they're going to take you through a rapid series of emotional healing processes, after which time you will be a different person. So this, we've already seen this work. Some people are doing it. So I would just tell you that's a possibility that you have. Maybe you didn't think about it before. But it's kind of like every time I talk to you in the last few few weeks, you're still in this swamp. You're kind of in this swamp instead of enjoying ecstatic, extraordinary and archetypal possibilities. You're in this kind of, does he love me or doesn't he love me kind of swamp. (laughs) I'm not there. I'm not there. You know, today I'm, I have a, this is my second thing I want to share. Wait. No. No. Changing the subject, you didn't say yes or no. Okay, I am in this, I am in this ecstatic state. No. And no, you're changing the subject. Doris, are you gonna make <laughs> are you gonna make the agreement with three or four trainer types who will take you through these processes or not? Are you gonna do that? Yes. Thank this you. is a super idea. Yes, Thank I will you. do. And I would say Wait. something more because today. <laughs> a deal is a deal. Yeah. Don't do it. You send me a hundred euros if you don't. Yes, I will do. Yeah. Right. Go ahead. I have a, there's a couple more minutes and then I want to, I'll end this space. Go ahead. Thank you. Because right now, as there's coming out a lot of sadness, cause my heart is open up. So it's like a heart opening or something like that. Very strong this morning. And it's like, I could cry the whole time, but all the time I miss that. <laughs> That's why I'm today not, maybe not so ecstatic. Just, and it's great that, it's happening. I'm in relationship with everything and that feeling it's just great. Thank you. Thank you for telling that. And thank you for making this agreement. That'll be great. You will love the ride. It's going to be a roller coaster ride, Doris. Okay? Just with those people. And you will love those people and you will hate those people, but do the ride. That's great. Okay, thank you. All right, well, thank, thank you guys. Hello, Habet. Bye, Phyllis. Thank you. Hello, Scott. Hello, James. You guys, Crystal, Vera. Yeah. Okay. Hey, Dorf. Thanks a lot, Clarissa. Thanks, Clinton. Okay. Thanks, Clinton. Thank you, everyone. Thank you. Thank you. Bye. 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 Thanks, Naomi. That was great. Bye, guys. Wie komme ich denn da raus hin? Verlassen, ja.